Welcome back, everyone, to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition, where we talk to you about all of the things we didn't understand or figure out in the episode. This episode was interesting. I enjoyed it. It's kind of a change of pace because we got some, like, actual action as opposed to just, you know, God speaking through this man, this tired, sad man. Oh. Tired yeah, He did sad. wear a cool, like, um... Uh, what's like the word harness. I'm looking for? A harness, a yoke. It was a yoke. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like in Red Dead Redemption Two, when you have to unyoke the horses often from all of the uh, different carts that you were stealing. <laughs> oh right, right, this right. This is kind uh-huh. of this is kind of the opposite of that. That's what I thought of. <laughs> right, <laughs> yoking himself up to steal yes. the hearts yeah. of the kings of the region. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so what did we learn today? What did we not understand and then thus look up to learn? Yeah, so I wanted to look up the thing where we named basically every king and kingdom that we could think of in terms of who's going to get punished by Yahweh. And then also everyone in the world and also that aisle across the sea. We were like, what? Yeah, what was that? What is that? Hmm. So I pulled up some references and some maps. I didn't find any articles talking specifically about this verse because I think everyone reading had sort of tuned out at that point and didn't care. They were like, whatever. He said the whole world, it doesn't matter. But I was curious anyway. And so basically they're in Judah, right? Which is in essentially where modern day Israel is in that area. And so the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. So the isle across the sea would be something across the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. Yeah. So, it could be anything. Could be Cyprus. Could be Crete. Right. Could be anything. So that's kind of mm. what I was looking at. So one option is Cyprus, which would not have been Cyprus at the time. It was Citium or Chitium. Huh. And oh. fun huh. story that Zeno of Citium, the founder of the philosophy of Stoicism, was from Citium, uh, but he this, this would be like another 300 years down the road. On that aisle across the sea, Stoicism was wow. born, potentially. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Look to our other podcast on an episode about <laughs> Stoicism. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was fun uh, to see that. Also, it could be, as you said, Dedeker, it could be Crete, which would have been quite far. And before you get to Crete, there's actually another island that's south of that, that the only names I can find for it are Greek. And so I don't even know how I would say this. But there's like a city in it called Criti and a mountain called Psilleritis. What? Which also (laughs) I think is a disease maybe. They've got to get that looked at. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. But so there's that. It could have been that. Or the other thought I had was, depending on how much we understood of the geography around us, it's also possible that across the sea might actually be part of the same landmass, which would be modern-day Turkey, which is kind Um, of like, you know, like the, the Mediterranean Sea like the coast of that in Israel is kind of running mostly north-south. It's kind of like northeast mm-hmm. to southwest. But then it goes up and sort of curves over left and Turkey sticks out that direction. Uh-huh. So it's also possible they were seeing across to, I think it's called Anatolia or something like that, or Lycia. Oh, Antalya, yeah. Um, that some somewhere yeah. over there, which would have been part of the Persian Empire at the time, as far as I can tell. 
Okay. So it's also possible that that it was part of that. So that, that's kind of what I found. It's just, it was nice for me since I really don't know my geography in that this area. part of the world very well at all. Uh, and then the other option would be if you were looking across the sea and to the south would have been Alexandria and Cairo mm. and parts of Egypt. So could have been any of those or all of them because some translations of that verse made it plural. And it was like the lands and kingdoms across the sea. And others was like that isle across the sea. Mm, so yeah, could have been either. Wow, fascinating. Okay, good, good, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I have some trivia about Nebuchadnezzar slash... This is a trivia game? Drezzer. Are, are you asking us trivia or you're just giving us trivia? Oh, no, I'm going to gift you. She said she has some. Gift you with some trivia. Oh, thank you. Wow. Obviously, this is not the last time we're going to hear of Nebuchadnezzar because he's the king of Babylon. Babylon's responsible for sacking Jerusalem and enslaving all of the Hebrew people. So this is going to be going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But we have yet to take time in a bonus episode to really dive into the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar slash Drezzer. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that different okay. naming strategy as well. Yeah. We are going to have to cast Nebuchadnezzar at some point. Oh, uh, that's going to be fun. In the book of Daniel, he's going to become more of like a, a character character instead of just referencing him. Mm-hmm. So that'll probably be our opportunity to actually right. cast he's him. Right. He's the one doing all the, the, one. the lions and yes. the fires and the all that stuff. Yes, correct. Cool. Ah, correct. Cool. Yeah. So Nebuchadnezzar II also known as Nebuchadnezzar the Great. Mm. Uh, So he ruled from 605 BC until he died in 562 BC. And so that's about 43-year period. He was the longest reigning king of the Chaldean dynasty. And he's mostly well known for his building projects specifically. They highlight the fact that... Yes, he was known more as a builder king rather than a warrior king. Okay. Like, I guess his military accomplishments were not that... More of a civil engineer. He did a lot of military stuff, mm-hmm. but that wasn't, like, his his main bread and butter. Got it. Okay. Necessarily. What kind of cool stuff more, did he build? Oh, you asked me that, huh? See, because I was mostly, <laughs> I was mostly looking at... <laughs> <laughs> how he was relevant to the Jewish people. Uh, but I can, okay. I can, there's a lot of information here about what he built. Like um, ziggurats and stuff? Is that a thing they did? Uh, Ishtar Gate. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And such. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did some restoration work uh, as yeah. well. Yeah. A lot of civil and military structures. You know, he just really spruced the place up. Oh, yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah. Babylon's professional street. Was a thing. Oh, back in the day, you know, which like, uh, like the it business says on the district tin, or something. Okay, business that's cool. district. Yes, yes. Oh, um, and then he also. Sorry, you, you had to ask me that question. So I'm kind of <laughs> just gathering some information as best as I can. I don't know a lot of walls, temples, mm. you know. Mm. Okay, stuff like that. The Builder King. So let me talk about him and his name. Okay, <laughs> please do. I'll just rewind. So his name in uh, uh, the language Akkadian or Akkadian was Nabu Kuduri Ushur, which translates oh. to Nabu, who is the god, watch over my heir. And now where we get, this is the reason why we get the Nebuchadrezzar is because basically Nabu Kuduri Ushur is a little bit more faithful to having that R sound in there. And so... Uh, okay. 
So scholars kind of tend to prefer the Anglicization of Nebuchadrezzar over Nebuchadnezzar necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was also a scholar in 1974 that proposed that maybe this N variant was actually um, kind of a not-so-nice nickname. Really? Because basically when you change it from Nabukudur Ushur to Nabukudanu Ushur, that means Nabu protect the mule uh, instead of protect my heir. Oh my. So is this a, a dig? It could be a dig. dig. Apparently there's not a lot of evidence to support that that was the case, but oh, it is an interesting okay. theory. Mm. So, so apparently it does kind of change depending on what you call him. Mm. Now, as far as him in Jerusalem. So again, we'll probably have more opportunities to get into this later, but long story short, it happened when Zedekiah was king. So in 589 BC, that Zedekiah apparently stopped paying tribute to Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar was like, nope, that's not okay. And so he conquered the entire kingdom of Judah. Yikes. And basically like plundered, destroyed the whole city of Jerusalem, um, you know, enslaved all of the Jews, displaced them, deported them to, to Babylon. And basically from archaeologists looking at the destruction there, they think that it was like, like straight up scorched earth policy mm. because they theorized that Nebuchadnezzar slash Drezer did not want Egypt to then swoop in and take this land or these abandoned cities or stuff like that. Like he may have not had the manpower to still occupy the area. And so it was just like, I have to completely destroy I everything. See. So he had to just destroy it. Jeez. Right. And that is basically what Jeremiah was prophesying then that it's going to be people are just going to hiss and shake their heads and. It's just going to be a desolation, a perpetual desolation. So yeah, that yes. that fits. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And the interesting thing that's unique to the book of Jeremiah is that Nebuchadnezzar is portrayed in this interesting way of like, yeah, he's like the bad guy. We don't like him, but he is still the servant of Yahweh in the sense that Yahweh is huh. using him to punish the Jewish people. Right. And therefore, yeah. Yahweh has essentially chosen, yes, this is the person that I think deserves to rule this region and to rule all these kingdoms. This is the guy I've picked. Wow. And so yeah. it's all it's all according to plan. That's fascinating. Right. But maybe yes. this time people will repent and I'll cancel it. Maybe no. this time. <laughs> I would be surprised. Yes. But maybe. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is also credited with building the hanging gardens of Babylon. Oh. Which was one used to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Supposedly yeah. he built it because his wife was super homesick for her land of Medea, um, where I guess hanging yeah. gardens were just, uh, couldn't move for how many hanging gardens <laughs> yeah. were around. Oh my goodness. They were all the rage. Yeah. yeah. Um, no one's been able to actually find any archaeological evidence of them existing. The, what, the hanging so, gardens? Uh, really? Yes. Oh, yes. so this wonder of the ancient world may be all smoke and mirrors? Could be fake. Wow. Could be fake. There's theories. Like one theory is that, yeah, it's totally fake. Just purely mythical. People made it up. Uh, Could be that they did exist, but then were just completely destroyed Mm. around the first century AD. Or people say it could be actually referring to a different king's gardens and then just over time got the wires got crossed or yeah. got attributed to somebody else. Yes. Right. Wow. That does seem yeah. to happen a lot in the stories of mm-hmm. these days. I mean, we've seen that already mm-hmm. with stuff we've read in the Bible that it's like, oh, other cultures have basically the same story, but it's attributed to different people, stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. so specifically with Nebuchadnezzar II, it like the article I read was saying that actually, ironically, even though he had the most influence as one of the most powerful and successful kings of that time, 
there's he actually has the least number of um, essentially like tablets documenting his reign huh. and of from that time period. And so a lot of what we know about him and his reign has to be drawn from histories that were written after the fact and which are to a certain extent, quote unquote, tainted by yeah. the author's perspective on the rule because often it was from another culture in a different language, yeah. you know, and so it's hard to determine how much is true or just interpretation. Much like a lot of what we're reading where we learn this was actually written down hundreds of years after it supposedly is being said. And so you have to take that into account of like, what, how did this get changed over time? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That like the closer to the time of happening that something gets written down, generally historians will, you know, see it's more valid because like probably more accurate because it was, you know, written at that time that it happened before all the like legends about it and misattributions had happened and politics had gotten involved with it and stuff like that. Exactly. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. So that's what I can tell you. That's lovely. About Nebuchadnezzar. I guess we're going to see a lot more of him now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be around for the next couple prophets and then Ooh. also in several other books. <laughs> so, yes. That's cool. How exciting. So, yeah, we got to start thinking about casting him. So, just kind of mm. percolate. I want to know on that. Yeah. I want to know more about his his aura. In, what what kind of man he is? Well, you in know? this story, he's a villain, sort of. Okay, sort of. Or yeah, at least, but can can be villainous. You know that from what I know about him. Maybe yeah. we need to see. Yeah, we need to see what what other people think of him. I don't know. It'll be fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we're looking forward to sharing more of the story with you next week. As we continue on with Jeremiah lamenting about his life and other people <laughs> and God too, and learning more about fun new kings. So we'll see you all next week.